This is an AMI podcast. Hey guys, welcome along to another episode of Double Tap. It's Wednesday, it's the 15th of November, 2023. Coming up today, Windows to Mac and Mac to Windows and the winner of the next big thing contest is announced. You're listening to Double Tap, your daily accessible technology show. Wow, wow. Now, here's your hosts, Stephen Scott and Sean Priest. Wow, wow. I like a bit of wow, wow in the morning. Good morning, wow, wow. Hello, good day, good evening. <laughs> Are you okay, Stephen Scott? I don't know. How many coffees have you had? (laughs) I'm on my second. Oh, that explains it. I'm tired this morning. I must apologise before we even start. It may be a little bit low energy, but it seems like you're making up for it. So it's all good. I got up. I felt terrible this morning. I Mm. uh, I crawled out of my bed. Yes. Dog goes to a doggy nursery today. Ah, not nice. Yes. So, uh, you know, my wife, uh, she has uh, some uh, duties today, which means that she can't take her guide dog with her today. Basically, she's going to be sitting at a desk for the best part of nine hours. And she says, you know, it's not really fair on the dog to just be stuck. So Mm. dog goes to this lovely little nursery. Well, I call it a nursery. Basically a gigantic field with other dogs. And they just have the best time ever. The dog has more social life than I do. <laughs> and more exercise. And way more exercise. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so, yeah, so got up this morning to do that. And um, that was a tough That was a tough alarm call this morning. Because I sat up last night late. Of course, Next Big Thing Awards took place. The big contest from Vespero. It took place. So it ran about 11 p.m. our time here in the U.K., and I'd come into the office because I wanted to make sure that people could watch it via our website if they wanted to. So I did that. I, I stayed up late so that well I could done you. click a link and, and put it in a web page. Oh. And um, and I was I was going I was going to bed. That was it. I was like, okay, ask me. I've done my bit. I'll go to bed, and I'll see what happens in the morning. And then I kind of got drawn in, and I because I put it on, and I thought I'd kind of like to follow along a little bit for a minute or two. I was going to go to bed and listen to it. I didn't know how I felt about listening to Matt Ater in bed with me, so I decided to sit up. Um, wow. So, Matt, <laughs> just, just leave that. Very swiftly, let's move so, on. Matt Ater, VP of Espero, uh, hosted the show, did a fantastic job. He's so course. good. He's so good. Even though he was like swimming with sharks at the time or something uh, in Florida or somewhere, I don't know. He was he was doing something. He was on holiday, basically. He was in a tropical um, paradise and hosting that event. I mean, who does he think he is? Marco Flalo? I mean, what's going on here? But these people that go on holiday and sit and work, it's like what what's wrong with you people? (laughs) So uh, yeah, basically, uh, it was a great event, and the winner was announced. And there were three finalists, and I, I really like how they did this. So they brought the three finalists up. And they asked each person to summarise what their proposal was, what their idea was. And then they would be questioned by the judges, like kind of Shark Tank style, right? Uh, which seemed appropriate for Joe. Oh, Shark Tank, yes. Yeah, Very yeah. good. Uh, so I, I didn't crown that one because, you know, Matt did that joke about 50 times during uh, the event. So, you know. Yeah. Um, Don't milk it, Matt. No, exactly. <laughs> so uh, here I am searching for the Jaws theme, right? I'm like, do, 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 um, but yeah, so the three finalists came up and they all gave their ideas, all brilliant ideas. So one was paragraph preview, right? So 
you ever been at a document or you've been in a list of documents or maybe you've got bookmarks on your web pages, maybe on Safari or well, not Safari, I suppose if it's on Windows, but on Edge or Chrome or whatever. And mm. you go through your bookmarks and you're thinking, you know, it's maybe title is Welcome Home or Homepage, you know, and that's it. That's all it tells you. Yes. And you saved it maybe... I don't know, five years ago, you've completely forgotten about what that web page is. The suggestion was, wouldn't it be cool if you could get like a one paragraph preview that's basically telling you what that site is about? So the first few, even the first few lines on the, from the page itself. Or the first you know, just paragraph to tell you on the page. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Almost like um, an email preview yeah. notification. Yeah, that's So we cool. know what it is. Yeah. That was a good idea. I that was, was a great very idea. good idea. Then there was the Jaws gym, which I thought that was a great idea. I'm against so, it. I know. Well, I was like, exercise, more exercise, really? <laughs> I think the dog covers it for me. Um, so, yeah, basically, Jaws gym is an idea that you kind of have like a learning tool built into Jaws that kind of is like quite a competitive thing. It could even be something that the idea was it could even be stretched to like other people you could have competitions with people about you know learning jaws commands and then having little quizzes every so often and you know asking you what commands do what or what feature does what and just like almost like a trivia competition but with the purpose of learning commands that's a really interesting take on it yeah i I think that's really innovative i'm gonna say it innovative stephen scott i do um it's sort of taking that uh, it's something I, I find on the Apple Watch where, you know, people challenge you and you get notifications of how other people are doing and things exactly. like that. It's, uh, it's what we've talked about when we were talking about fitness equipment, actually. It's that, that competition, that challenging, it's almost gamifying learning. That's, that is cool. And I think the, the, because the point was made, look, there are so many resources to learn JAWS. And, you know, I've sat here many times and I... I'm starting to feel silly saying it because I realise how many resources there now are. But I only know that because I've been spending a lot of time listening to presentations from Vespero, yes. learning about what they've been doing. And, you know, they do. They have an absolute humongous amount of oh. resources. I mean, they've got the webinars, they've got the podcast, they've got Surf's Up still within JAWS itself. You've got the commands tools within JAWS to be able to find specific commands. All that stuff is already there. So there's loads of ways to learn, but I think the suggestion here kind of leads into something I've been saying for a long time, which is you kind of just want something, you know, just like when someone tells you about a shortcut and you go, wow, that's a great shortcut. It'll actually stick, I think, more than it ever would. Because if if you were to read it in a, a manual among 800 other commands, you're probably not going to remember it. But when you need it or when it sticks in your mind because someone says, oh, by the way, did you do this? Like I saw one, Devin Prater on Mastodon. I hope you don't mind me name-checking you, Devin. But um, he put up on Mastodon the other day. He's been loving the Mac. And he's like, uh, oh, Command 8 in the App Store is so cool. When you go into the App Store on the Mac, Command 8 takes you straight to the updates. You don't have to you know, look around for to get search for updates. And I'm like, oh, I didn't know that. No, nor me. That's cool. So that's a really cool command because ultimately, if, if you have um, a tabbed window inside a, a Mac application, you can just use the command one, two, three, four, five to move around it. Um, so really cool. But again, you have to know these things. But now I know that, that's kind of stuck in my head. Yeah. So I think this was the idea. So a really good idea, the Jaws Gym mental exercise. I think that's brilliant. And at number um, one, the winner is. <laughs> well, yes, because the winner was, in fact, 
from Abby Duffy. Now, Abby Duffy uh, decided to come up with an idea, which a lot of people have talked about. Uh, I've mentioned this, and certainly I know a number of us love using Be My Eyes to generate alt text descriptions for images. Well, that's kind of what Abby has suggested for Jaws. And here she is. This was her talking last night uh, on the Next Big Thing contest, outlining her submission for the contest. My name's Abby, and my entire idea surrounds a barrier to access that I face every day and a lot of other people I assume do as well. So I am in college. I do a lot of like homework and a lot of things on the on the web and a lot of different things along those sorts. So my entire concept surrounds the images that are out there that don't have any alt text, I, whether it's an image that's generated by using a website or an image that's just been there and no one's chosen to spend the time to make the alt text. My idea is using AI somehow within JAWS to do some sort of surface level recognition of what that image is. I, because I am in college, I have in my psychology classes, for instance, I sometimes have to do these little like labs and then we get most of our data conveyed in charts. And those charts are kind of why I had the inspiration to do this because they don't have any alt text and they don't have any descriptions. So I had this entire barrier to access in my classwork that also is seen with other things like on websites and on sometimes even Word documents if people don't choose to use alt text, where if you have an image of some sort that does not have any alt text that someone chooses to put in, there's no way that I would be able to know what it is. It just shows up as like an image or a JPG or just says a bunch of letters and numbers. We've all experienced it like while like surfing the web. So if somehow we were able to utilize AI within JAWS to recognize diagrams or images to some extent it doesn't have to be perfect but even just to the extent of saying a chart um that's um an, an, a line facing upwards or a picture of a cat just like not in-depth descriptions but just something to give some sort of idea of what's happening for those um times in life when you won't have alt text that would help me personally so greatly because and I know it would help a lot of other people because then I would at least be able to understand what I'm looking at and what I'm seeing with JAWS. Because JAWS has so many great features on how to read text and how to um, get around in a lot of ways. And like, there's a lot of small issues, but a big issue taxes that I have seen is the whole image problem. And like, if the world was perfect, everyone would put all text on their images and everything would be fine. But that's not how it is. There's a lot of images that we can't um, see or know what they are as um, JAWS and screen reader users. So if JAWS was somehow able to identify those images to some extent in college or in like leisure on the internet or people who just are living their lives and want to know what stuff is would have a better time of it. So that was kind of my idea. So that was Abby Duffy's suggestion, and that became the winner. So Abby was the winner of the Next Big Thing contest, and it's a really interesting idea. Um, I want to know your thoughts, Sean. Okay, so congratulations, Abby, by the way. Amazing. And I thought that that actual that talk about your personal experience of the barriers, you know, obstacles in your way, very good. I'm just surprised. I must admit, I'm surprised by this, because I thought this would have been... Uh, so requested so many times already AI and image recognition I just thought this would be um, sort of on the roadmap already Um, sorry it sounds like I'm being really dismissive and I honestly don't mean to be I am just slightly surprised by um, using AI for image recognition 
I just thought this would be a very much requested, all the talk since Be My Eyes implementation, I yeah. thought this would have been requested a million times already. It's interesting you say that because I was watching some of the discussion uh, online uh, as a result of this uh, broke the news as soon as it came in last night and following up on it, a number of different comments, and I won't name individuals with their comments, but some people saying, look, you know, first off, who's going to pay for this because this can't be free? Uh, or at least, you know, will this be able to be built into the, the current model? Because obviously AI, if you're reaching out to OpenAI, for example, to get image descriptions like uh, in the way that Be My Eyes does, well, there's a cost attached to that. So who's going to pay for that cost? How is that going to work? Um, also, someone else saying, you know, look, I, I don't know if I find this a particularly startling idea. Um, th- that enhancement probably is something that should be done or being be being done anyway as a natural progression of the existing picture smart feature. I must yeah. admit that came to mind as well because picture smart does have some of this capability, maybe not quite as intense as what Be My AI has in terms of its capabilities with OpenAI, but description that the AI imp- that impresses us so much. That's that's the thing. I, again, it sounds like we're being a little bit dismissive of the idea, and I, I don't. Well, I mean, wonder is that, is that because we're. Be. Is that because we're so used to hearing about AI? <laughs> We've maybe just become so tired of hearing about AI that it just feels everything is the answer to everything is AI. Um, because it's no surprise to me that they, they, they chose this out of the three. I mean, I think in terms of implementation, there's probably an easier roadmap to get to this than perhaps, I don't know about, don't know about paragraph preview, um, but certainly Jaws Jim would require quite a bit of work. I'm not saying that they've went for the easy option, but it, I would certainly say they've gone for the most popular option. Well, yeah, and that's, I mean, I mean, playing devil's advocate to myself, if, if something like this is requested the most, then why shouldn't this actually mm-hmm. be the winner? I mean, well, it, it makes point. perfect yeah, sense. Exactly. And as yeah. I said, the way that Abby uh, presented it there was fantastic, given that personal experience of how she struggled and why this would be a, a solution and a benefit to her um, made total sense. So, yeah, I, I, yeah I, I, I kind of expected this. If you know what I mean, but are you expecting it as a feature that would come anyway? Yes, yes. I guess it, it that's what I'm saying. It should have almost just been something that they would be working on the background. That therefore they wouldn't pick this as the the winner. Yes, yes. I guess that's what that's what I'm thinking. Maybe that's just a, an assumption that I shouldn't have made. Well, look, who knows, right? I mean, who, maybe it wasn't on the roadmap for them. Maybe that wasn't a plan at all. Who knows? I mean, I, I, we will we will never know the, the true roadmap, what's going on inside Freedom Scientific, unless they're willing to share. But I do think what is brilliant about this contest is it's given people a chance to take ownership of their features. And I think Abby should be proud of this one. I think Abby should be really proud of this because I think it was a great suggestion. I also think it's great to hear some young people talk in our community sometimes. Oh, yes. Yeah, I think we we hear so often from us old fuddy-duddies. It'd be nice to hear from some young people. You know those people who are young, who've got futures and And dreams And and dreams. And there's me saying, oh, well, we should have this already because I'm entitled and we should already (laughs) have AI. Uh, What are you talking about? No, I I totally get it. Honestly, I just thought... um, the, the whole event, though, this should be a, a regular thing. Sorry, Matt and Ryan, but this should be a regular <laughs> thing because people's people having the, the their opinions and their, their input taken into account like this is fantastic. And you've got to give props to them, Vispero and Matt and Ryan, for for making this happen. Because this does, you know, it feels like a, a, a interaction. that Anytime developers take note of what their users want, it's a good thing. 
As I believe, as I believe, Annie Lennox and uh, Aretha Franklin once sang, "Are blind people doing it for themselves?" Um, I think that was maybe the words. I can't remember exactly. No, me. Close enough. now, what happens next is the big question. So in the next big thing, when does it actually come into play? Well, that is something we did ask Ryan Jones, VP of Software at Vespero. This was his response. It could be a number of months. It could be a year. You know, our product management team, they, they've got the hard job. They've got to actually kind of weave this in and... and, and there's there, the problem that we always face is there's so many great things we could do and it's just prioritization. And that's really the art of this is deciding what, what do we work on and when? So, yeah, I, I expect w- one of the things that we do is we're putting out software updates about every six to eight weeks. And sometimes that, that update focuses on fixing bugs. Sometimes it focuses on updating things for office or web browsers. Sometimes we're able to slip a new feature in. So it, it's a variety of things that we're doing in the updates, but it allows us to keep moving pretty quickly on pushing things out in our software. So, you know, you, you could see some of the stuff coming out in four, six, eight, ten months. It's not like we have to wait a whole year till the next major version to put new features in. So, yeah, we will see the uh, announcement of this feature coming in soon. Um, soon-ish, I think, is basically the way to, to look at this. It's it's done when it's done. It's funny. Yeah. As, soon, as soon as that feature drops inside Jules, I know everyone's going to go, this is amazing. I know. <laughs> right. I, 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 I take your point on it. I do think it's a great idea, though. I do think it's a great idea. Of and course it's something, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it's great because, again, it's the way, and, and this was brought up at the event, you know, it's not just about the feature itself. It's the fact that it's being built into JAWS. So it makes it easier for people to get the answer. You know, Abby brought up the point that, yes, there are other methods you can use to get access to images. But, you know, she she touched on something which I think, and I'm really pleased she brought this up because this is a major part of it for me. It's not always just about describing an image. It's sometimes like, I mean, when we're doing the website, I have to find an image that is the featured image that goes with that story. Yeah. That's my biggest challenge is finding an image and being absolutely certain that that image is what I want it to be. Yes. And risky. That and, and that can be risky. And, you know, at the moment it's sending it to, so I have to save it, send it to be my AI, get a description to come back. Okay, I'm happy with that. And then, and then, and it just takes time. Yeah, interrupts you know? the workflow, right? It's that seamless process that we want. But what Abby's suggesting is, you know, as, as you go past an image, as you arrow past or tab past or whatever past an image, it will just go off and fetch that AI description for you. And I think that's such a great idea. That actually yes. just makes it's, it's about making the workflow simpler, right? It's more than just oh, an AI generated description. It's more than that. It's just about the ease of being able to do it. I mean, she's talking about doing her college work. She wants you know her presentations to look good and all of that stuff. She hasn't got time well, to, just to muck around trying to get information off graphs and charts. Oh, I mean, ha- having to, okay, I've got to save that off. I've got to analyze would be my AI. I mean, it, it just adds extra time. And as she rightfully said, it, it puts up barriers. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Again, the feature is great. I'm, I'm, I'm Honestly, I'm not saying anything against the actual feature itself. I'm just, um, maybe I was, maybe it was my expectation of the event. I was thinking something like the, the, the Jules Gym. I just, you know what? I never would have thought of anything like that. Um, I no. guess that's where I'm coming from. It's just sort of features I, I, I hadn't thought of myself. 
I kind of also hope that some of the ideas, and I think this will probably happen, but oh, some yeah. of the ideas that have come through will probably end up going into features anyway. So even if you entered the competition and didn't win, I think your idea is noted. I would say that's for sure. Yes, And I think definitely. that's a great thing about this. I mean, you know, I actually think we should run a competition on things we should talk about on the show, and then we don't have to do any work. Ah, uh, okay. I'm slightly nervous when you say things like that. Because people may email in feedback at doubletaponair.com. What should we talk about? We'll get a thousand emails now saying tech. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, could you start there? I also want to mention as well uh, two other events uh, going on. One last night, which I concluded as well. It was a busy night last night um, because we had uh, the Next Big Thing contest. And also ACB, the American Council of the Blind, had their 2023 Audio Description Awards Gala, which is an incredible thing. Um, This was an opportunity to, as they call it, you know, and they say, recognize outstanding achievement in audio description in entertainment and educational media. And uh, there were lots of people involved. And the whole thing was about just recognizing the work that's being done. Um, And there were special guests there, for example, the director of All the Light We Cannot See, Sean Levy, who's, of course, this uh, director of this series on Netflix that everyone's been talking about. Um, Also, James Rath was there, a good friend of ours, our friend, uh, James Rath, accessibility advocate, the filmmaker as well. He was there and lots more as well. So, you know, really, really interesting uh, to see. Also, what was brilliant was uh, not only was it available on ACB's channels through their media channels as well as their uh, YouTube channel, it was also available on uh, Peacock, which is the streaming service from NBC Universal. Um, oh wow, that's that's a bit of a coup. Yeah, wasn't that brilliant? So yeah. you know, just great to have it available like that and to to so many people, and brilliantly presented. You can watch all the details on our website. We've put all the information up there at uh, doubletaponair.com. And that is where we are putting all the information. So anything that comes up, anything we talk about on the show, uh, we will endeavor to have links to on the website. And if there's live events happening, we'll post them up there so you can watch them. You don't have to go off and scurry around the internet to find them. Scurry. Because we have it all. Yes, scurry, don't hurry. Uh, <laughs> I feel like I suddenly wandered into a Broadway show. Um, also happening now... As uh, I've put it on the website, TechShare Pro continues in London, England. Yeah, the AbilityNet UK charity, uh, TechShare Pro, is uh, Europe's biggest gathering of accessibility and inclusion professionals. Canada's own Stephanie Cadieu is there. And uh, she is talking, of course, about accessible travel and the European Accessibility Act as well, which is another area we haven't quite touched on here on the show, but... We will come to that. Um, the big themes, of course, AI and accessibility. You can imagine AI is all over these conversations. Um, they talk a lot at AbilityNet about the business advantage of accessibility and really trying to encourage businesses to understand the importance of it. I know it's ridiculous in 2023. We still have to push this point, but we do. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a great conversation as well yesterday about media representation of disability. And uh, Shani Danda, who is uh, actually, she just won the, uh, I think it's the the Shaw Trust Disability Power 100 um, award. She is like the number one most influential disabled person in the UK. Way! Uh, So congratulations to Shani. Wonderful person. Met her uh, personally at uh, in Vienna when we did the coverage with the Zero Project conference, and she was just a wonderful and lovely person to speak to. And um, 
yeah, I was so pleased that she was she was able to talk to us, but also really pleased that she's out there talking about this. And and she said something really important yesterday at the Texture event. She said, uh, you know, media representation is important, but also disabled people just talking about disabled stuff isn't necessarily ideal either all the time. We should be, you know, a bit more whole about ourselves. There's more to us than just our disability. And I think that's a really interesting point because there's always that danger whenever media representation happens. You know, so for example, uh, you know, blind person turns up talking about blindness or disabled person talks about disability. You know, sometimes it's nice to just break away from that. Uh, it's not always, it's not what we're all about all the time. We don't no. all as disabled people just sit around and go, oh, you've got a wheelchair. I've got a wheelchair. Oh, what's your wheelchair like? Well, my wheelchair's got wheels. Oh, well, my wheelchair's got wheels. And, and that's the conversation for like five hours. It's not how it works, right? What? what okay. I mean, don't get me wrong. Every blind person <laughs> I've ever met has always asked me what my eye condition is. I don't know why that is, but that always happens. Really? What's wrong, what's wrong with you? I get that all the time. <laughs> what have you got? Like what have you got? Disability snap. Yeah. Oh, me too. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then you meet some, you say, I've got optic nerve hyperplasia. Oh, so do I. It's like, bingo. <laughs> Fist bump. <laughs> well, we try. <laughs> oh, that's very good. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, all happening today. Uh, the event continues and we'll be catching up with Mark Walker from AbilityNet. He's the head of communications and uh, he'll be joining us this week to talk about the event and its successes this year. And we'll also be catching up again with Ryan Jones and Matt Ata following the Next Big Thing contest, so you can hear more from them as well and their thoughts. And we'll, we'll put some of these ideas to uh, oh, no. Ryan and Matt. Yeah, you know, I we, didn't we know they were coming back this. on. I wouldn't... Oh, ah, oh, you see, oh, you, no. oh, you stepped on that one, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, just a reminder, you, you can follow us as well on social media. Now, we're on Mastodon. We're on, um, well, we're everywhere, basically. We found, we, we actually found, right, we found a uh, dormant uh, oh. Double Tap Twitter account and a Facebook page who we never knew we had. So uh, we're kind of, cr- I feel like... I feel like I'm kind of crawling through the loft space at the moment and finding stuff. There was no one left in the, those <laughs> those areas, was there? No one left behind. We forgot about. Just someone sitting saying, I keep following this page. One day they'll post. One day. We should do that. We should be more active on Facebook. It's very popular. Thank Apparently. you. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Breaking news. Bre- Hang on a minute. Let me just uh, bring, bring you the latest on this. News. Facebook is popular. There's a thing. Why have we, uh, why have we not uh, been active we. on it? It's the word we and all this. Why have you that kind not of... been active on it, Yeah, Stephen? no, I'm, on, I'm only posting to as many platforms as my buffer well. account will let me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on the free plan. Only allows you three. Okay. Um but yes, uh, we will definitely get on to... <laughs> That's the problem. <laughs> so yeah, you can go onto our website as well, catch up with all of the latest news as it happens. And if you missed any of our shows, they're all in there as well. And don't forget the Double Tap news you'll find and all the stories we're talking about. Basically, the Double Tap on Air website is the place to go. And coming up next, I'm going to tell you another reason why you should go, because um, let's just say it's that time of year when it's all about giving. Oh. It's about it's about receiving. Ho, it's ho, a, ho. It's, um, I'm more interested in receiving in terms of gifting. But, uh, yeah. Anyway, we're going to talk a little bit about that because I have got a good reason to go to the website. If you haven't got, you know, 50 already, um, we've got a great reason for you to visit today. That's on the way next. It's Double Tap. Call the Double Tappers now. 1-877-803-4567. Or email us. Feedback at DoubleTapOnAir.com. 
So when it comes to the holiday season, uh, Sean Priest. Yes, Stephen Scott. Yes. Are you are you um, someone who likes to buy for yourself or for <laughs> other people? <laughs> Why? Who who buys for themselves? At oh, I Christmas. Do. Oh, sorry. I, I get really jealous at Christmas because it's like I want to buy stuff. But I'm like, because, because it's like you go through all the, the deals. It's a Black Friday, of course. It's about it, what next week, <laughs> Black Friday, and I'm going to go through all these these things. And of course, you're thinking, okay, well, I must really buy my mother something. Uh, I must buy my father something. Uh, I must buy my wife something. I must buy the dog something. <laughs> Said in a slightly bitter tone. Okay, yes. But then I get all these deals, and I'm like, oh, I want one of those. And I want uh, this. And I want that. So you wake up at jealous. the crack of dawn, in Christmas morning, and run to under the tree. To Run Stephen. to the Amazon man <laughs> from Stephen. <laughs> oh, I wonder what it is. <laughs> Ooh, wow, and you might book here. Whoa, I'm so good to myself. It, you know what? Seriously, it is difficult to just think of something because of uh, online shopping. It's so easy that everyone just buys their own things anyway as soon as they want it. It's yeah. it's, it's it's like, uh, what do I do? The the go to thing now is okay. I'm going to give you a, a gift voucher. For for your favorite online store, so you could just buy your own thing, but yeah, it's, it's slightly. It feels like I don't know. It feels slightly um, underwhelming, doesn't it? You know, yeah. it's always yeah, it nice to do a, a, get an actual gift, but it's difficult. So the question is, what do we get? So you know, look here at Double Tap. I've been thinking about this because uh, every show, every website, every Twitter account has a, a gift guide, right? Everybody's doing it. One thing they're not doing is getting together on this. Now, you know, the festive season is all about coming together. Yes. And so I thought it'd be nice for us all to <laughs> I don't get know why together. I did that voice. I'm so sorry. I don't know either. It kind of worked, though. It kind of worked. <laughs> nice. Um, so I want us to get together on this, and I want us to create the Double Tap Holiday Gift Guide for 2023 together. Oh, that's beautiful. Now, how do we do that? Well, I mean, there was a couple of options. One is you all send me emails and I spend the rest of my life filling in a web page. Um, I didn't like that idea. So instead, our good friends, Michael Babcock and Damasi Thomas, wonderful guys. Amazing. Helped us out with the website and we've created a fully accessible, it nearly wasn't accessible to sighted people, which would have been kind of ironic. Ah, oh, Beautiful. Um, I was tempted to leave it at that. But yeah, I know we don't do that here at Double. That's unfair. <laughs> Let the sighted people have a, have some fun too. Um, so yeah, what we've done is we've created a web page that you can go to. So on our homepage of doubletaponair.com, you can find or search for gift guide and you will be able to uh, add your gift, add your gift idea to the list. And what it means is we can together build a holiday gift guide. So instead of just me saying, hey, here's three things I bought this year that I thought were kind of cool, and I will absolutely be adding mine, uh, and Sean will no doubt be adding his, but we yes. will um, we will be looking for you guys to contribute to it. Now, there's no prize. There's no, it's not like, you know, prize for the best one or any of that nonsense. It's not uh-huh. about that. It's just about... No, it's not, it's not what it's about uh-huh. because it's not about receiving. Christmas is not about receiving. Is it? Well, it's about giving and receiving, but we're not giving... Or receiving, really, at all. What we're doing is you're, you're helping other people. I'm not selling this. Um, <laughs> no, so we're helping each other. It's amazing. And again, we got to say thank you so much to Michael and Damasi. Um, well, it's just, look, everybody's got great ideas, right? We get all these emails in from, from loads of people saying, 
you know, hey, this is a great idea, this is a great product, whatever. And and yep. I really just want people to be able to contribute that so that we can all find the the gift that might be of interest. It's almost like the best blind list ever because it's created yes. with all of us. And we know the products that will be on there will be blind friendly. That's the yep. most important bit. And I, I tested it out and uh, it was very, very easy. So easy, I even completed it myself. Oh, I know you did. I yes. had to delete that submission. Yes. Yeah, that's filth <laughs> from the website. Yes, we, we will be checking these before they are posted up, by the I way. No, I, tr- I trust everyone else. I don't trust you. <laughs> and rightfully so. Um, yeah, no, it's very good, very good. So, yeah, check it out. Uh, when you go to the homepage, you'll find the gift um, link there. You can go to the form. Uh, now, what happens is when you go to the actual page, you will actually see a list of all the entries so far. And you can add to that. There's an add an item link, which you can click on, and that will take you through to the form. And now, in the form, you can put in your details as much or as little as you want. But more importantly, put in the link you can give the link to the, the product as well so that other people can go and get it if they want. And there's no affiliations or anything like that. This is purely what? just... No, I'm not making money out of this. What? Why not? Oh, oh, so hang on. So you want me to make money out of other people's ideas? Hang on. Is that not how I got through my career so far? <laughs> yeah, let's move on from that. Um, but no, seriously, look, there's no affiliations, nothing like that. There's nobody making money out of this. This is just for us. This is just for us it's to... It's a resource. Well, yeah, but it's for us, right? It's for us as blind yeah. people. It's us, the Double Tap family. We all, you know, can throw in our ideas and we can say, Do you know what, this is this is just the best gift guide ever f- just for us. So you can contribute to it. Also give us a reason if you can, maybe a bit of information about the product, what it is, why you've chosen it, just so we can get a sense of it. And then when we get near to the, the big day itself, we will actually uh, do a big show about it and we'll uh, maybe even get some as well. Maybe even get some. Oh, um, thank and- you. You never know. Maybe maybe we'll do a little giveaway at the end of the year. Who knows? I don't know. Well, <gasps> well we'll you said it now. Out. That's a guarantee from yeah, Stephen it's not Scott. Absolutely no guarantee. <laughs> absolutely no guarantees given. T's and C's apply. There yes. are there are there are many terms and many conditions. All of them involve the answer no. <laughs> many tears and many crying. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Um so yeah, that's kind of cool. Uh, it's very so check nice. It out. Go to doubletaponair.com and follow the links for the gift guide. You can search for it as well. Now, speaking of websites, can I just say a big hello to the team at AppleViz? <laughs> you might know, uh, yesterday on the show, I mentioned I had been blacklisted from that site. <laughs> Did you? I, I must have missed that. I, I, honestly, I know. I, I really should have made more hair of it, I think. Um, so, yeah, I've been blacklisted. I, I have no idea what happened, but... The truth is, I got a wonderful email, lovely email actually, uh, from the team at AppleViz saying, "Really sorry for this. Uh, basically, it was all my fault." And uh, they your fixed fault? It. Yes. Oh yeah, of course it was, it was all your my fault. fault. We, yeah, we knew it, that anyway. I think I may have gone on to the website, and I realised now I had used my VPN. I've got a VPN on my phone. Oh, and I'd gone to the Apple Vista site, and I was trying to comment on it from there, and I think they had blocked it because it was on a VPN. They determined you were using some sort of nefarious hacking tool that you usually <laughs> right, use, yeah. Stephen Scott, and uh, I didn't even know the VPN was on, so I'd be the worst <laughs> hacker ever. But um, yeah, I, I didn't even know it was turned on, to be perfectly honest. But uh, yeah, so that was the reason. So it's been resolved. It's all fine. I'm back in their good books. They love me again. 
I don't think that's an official well, line. Yes. Um, I think that might just be my in, in, in inference from that. Uh, so but hopefully yeah, so now you sorted. can contact the developer who's working on the third party. As I have, yes, as I have Beautiful. done. So I'm looking forward to hearing uh, back if uh, the person chooses to get in touch. <laughs> if he doesn't blacklist you. <laughs> this, of course, is the story about the Vosh screen reader, which a lot of people are very excited about. Um, watching some of the comments online. But, uh, yeah, we'll see how that one plays out. I mean, this is going to be a bit of a longer story for us. We're not going to be able to jump into this. But uh, we are going to have, uh, you know, hopefully a conversation with the developer and, and have uh, more conversations about the need for a third-party yes. screen reader on Mac. Um, okay, so that's enough about the looking back, looking forward, looking sideways, all that stuff. Let's get on because we Stop have... Looking. It's only 36 minutes in. Let's actually get to the tech. So uh, you've been getting in touch with uh, lots of different questions, as you do. But I picked out two questions today, and hopefully we'll get to both of them. Uh, quite long emails, but I think they're important to play in. And both of them kind of look for the opposite solution, um, whether it be going from Windows to Mac or Mac to Windows, but making a move from one OS to to another. And I'm going to start with uh, this one. This is uh, Matthew who got in touch. Laura reads our emails. Hello, everyone. My name is Matthew Whitaker. This is my first time emailing on this podcast. I hope this email finds you well. I'm reaching out for some expert advice as I transition my music production setup from a Mac Studio to a Windows environment. I intend to utilise NVDA for screen reading and will be connecting my PreSonus Studio Live 64S system, which facilitates 64 channels of audio through a single USB cable, to my computer. I plan on using Reaper for recording, which has worked well with my current gear on my Mac. Connected to my PreSonus Studio Live 64S are all the instruments in my studio, including mics for drums, percussion, mics for my Hammond organ, a couple of stereo keyboard inputs, bass and guitar setups, and vocal mics. Here are a few questions I have regarding this transition. Number one, audio routing for streaming. If I need to route audio from NVDA Speech or Reaper to OBS for streaming, how can I achieve this on a Windows setup? Are there Windows applications similar to Loopback by Rogue Amoeba for audio routing? Number two, Windows laptop recommendation. I am also on the lookout for a sturdy Windows laptop suitable for music production, streaming and gaming, which would smoothly integrate with my PreSonus Studio Live 64S system and manage plugins from Native Instruments, Isotope, Roland Cloud, Waves, UJAM and Universal Audio. I'm open to expanding my plugin collection depending on the accessibility improvements over time. Any recommendations? Number three, computer keyboard recommendation. I am in search of a full-sized computer keyboard with an applications key. Any suggestions? Four, backup solutions. I'm considering options for reliable backup solutions. I've heard that utilising a NAS, Network Attached Storage System, could be effective, but I am curious about its accessibility with NVDA. Are there other backup solutions you would recommend that are accessible and reliable? I am optimistic about a smooth transition to a Windows setup given my prior experience with Reaper on my Mac Studio. Your insights on the aforementioned inquiries would be invaluable in ensuring a seamless transition and optimised setup. Thank you very much for your time and expertise. I'm eager to hear from you at your earliest convenience. Warm regards, Matthew Whitaker. Yes, this would be a transition I would want to take my time with. Of course, there will be a few bumps here and there, but in the end, I know I will get through this with all of your help. 
Well, no pressure. Uh, so no. thank you, Matthew. <laughs> I can't believe you came to us with this, but Why? we will do our best. We will well, do our best. There's, things I can, there's certainly things I can pick up on, but I think you're going to be able to help out with some of the other stuff. Well, I was going to say, thankfully, I know a lot of people that listen to uh, Double Tap are um, experts, real experts in this sort yeah, of yeah, setup yeah. as well. So I'm sure we'll get some feedback in that point. But um, as you said there, I think the, the, the fact that you're using Reaper already is really going to help you in that transition, uh, firstly. Um, uh, the routing options, uh, this, is, this is usually why people stick with the Mac when it comes to audio and music production, is because the audio routing options are uh, just so flexible on the Mac, thanks to Rogue Amoeba and Loopback and other products that they do. Uh, I'm, I'm unaware of anything similar to that on Windows, apart from the thing that always comes up is a virtual audio cables, which does exactly what you expect it to do. You can create basically virtual audio devices and obviously route them inside any software you'd like and patch them together in a chain. I just didn't have much luck with this. But again, I'm sort of dabbling in this sort of area, uh, I am not a professional when it comes to this. I, I had problems with latency, but um, that was a few years ago, so it may have improved vastly since then. So there is an option, and a uh, software option, and that would be virtual audio cables, unless anyone knows of anything else. But most of the time when it comes to routing uh, on Windows, I, I suspect it would be best achieved using external hardware, some sort of mixer but added into your already uh, substantial hardware stack, I expect. But um, yeah, it's, it's not a, an easy solution. The, the, the Mac really does have that covered. I know that's probably not what you want to hear. No, I, I think you're right. But I, I think it's the key point and the key distinction I would make between Mac and PC from my experience is Mac can do it all with software. Whereas the PC equivalent is hardware, that's the difference. I yes, think. yeah, because you can get you meant you you talk about mixers, but I think what I'm beginning to learn about, and again, I'm not an expert on this because I haven't really delved into it. I, I'd like to though because I'm really intrigued by some of the the kit that's out there. But there are lots of audio interfaces with multiple inputs and outputs, and people talk about this loopback feature that's within some of them, where you can essentially route audio from, say, a screen reader back into a recording device and have it show up in your DAW, in your case, the DAW being the digital audio workstation, which is Reaper. Um, that is going to be the way you're going to get stuff done. If you were wanting to go down that route on the Windows side, you are going to have to have some kind of um, option. Now, I would recommend, uh, because funny enough, I just spotted this today, uh, Jonathan Mosen over on his Living Blindfully podcast actually has just done a review of the, is it the pre-Sonos I could be wrong on that. I think it may be a different one, but there's, there's, he's, he's mentioned a few over the years uh, from Focusrite, from PreSonus, and I think the Audience, I think, is the new one uh, that is a that is a piece of hardware that he's been using, and he's found it very accessible. I'm quite intrigued to hear about that myself because I, I'm intrigued to see how this kind of hardware works. To me, it seems like what Loopback can do, right? So just like Loopback is the software equivalent. Um of what that hardware can do. So I would I would recommend going and checking that out if you yeah. can, uh, because that, I think, will get you closer to the answer on the hardware front. So that would be your answer regarding the audio routing. In terms of laptop, um, the, the laptop that comes up time and time again, uh, two, actually, there's two that always come up. One is the Microsoft Surface. I, the amount of blind people I know 
who have Microsoft surfaces. And I still to this day don't quite understand why. Because, I mean, I, I, don't get me wrong, it's a wonderful machine, but the fact that it has a touchscreen just blows me away. Why does a blind person want a touchscreen? It's the last thing I want. It actually puts me off the surface. I'm just okay. terrified I'm going to hit the screen all the time and just, you know, screw up whatever it is I'm doing. Yeah. So for me, it's it's kind of that puts me off. But maybe, maybe for some people that's a, a useful tool. I know it does work with JAWS, but it's just something I've never really got into using. Um the one, the other one though that comes up all the time is the the Lenovo X1 Carbon, which is a very popular um, Lenovo laptop, and it's a very powerful laptop as well. Now, look, you don't have to necessarily go out and get the latest and greatest, but if you are going to spend some cash on it, you might want to look at something like that. The, the key thing I think with those new Lenovo laptops is the capability for you know fast speed, great battery life, and ultra portability. That's really what you're paying for, uh, because these are super thin. But I have, um, I think it's the, what's the one we have? It's the, the T14, I want to say. Maybe it's not that. I can't remember the name of our, or the model of our Lenovo laptops I, that you have. The one have. I've got here is the P43S. P40, catchy, isn't it? It's it is, so catchy. yes, yes. That's why you remember it so well. <laughs> that's why, that's why I, I absolutely, uh, I think the one I had when it was at RNIB was a T14. That's where I'm coming, that's where that's coming from. But yeah, yeah okay, so that, that one, um, what was it again? P what? P43S. I don't know. P43S. Uh, it's yeah. definitely a P43. I'm not sure about the, the S or whatever, if that's I- important at all. It's, a, it's a excellent. Stands for speed. Speedy. And the only reason that I know <laughs> that is because I recently got an email saying it's now out of uh, a warranty. Ah, throw it in the trash. It's an excellent machine. No, it is. It's a it's, stunningly good machine, isn't it? To be it? honest, I think it's the best laptop I've ever owned. It's yeah, amazing. Yeah. Every, you know, every single laptop I've ever gone to look at. I've often thought, you know, I, I just can't beat this thing. It's so good. It's so responsive. It does the job. Now, again, the only thing you have to consider here, Matthew, is, I guess, RAM. You're going to have to make sure you've got lots of memory in there. So maybe in your case, you might need to go up to like 32 gig as opposed to us with 16. You're definitely going to want a, big, 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 a bigger hard drive. I mean, the great thing with the Lenovo that we have, the one you and I have got, is I was able to take it to a computer repair store and give them a two terabyte um, SSD. You know these little kind of smaller ones. I think they call them NVMe drives. They're very yes. small, yeah. um, almost like a RAM module actually well, yeah. in terms of size. M2, I believe they call them. M2, as well. sorry, yes. yes, M2. And um, that is the one uh, I was able to get a two terabyte one for I think a hundred quid at the time. It wasn't a huge amount of money. Um, and then I was able to take that to a computer repair store. They were able to install it because you can take these machines apart and fix things and change things. It's amazing. So, you know, that meant I had two terabytes internal storage and 16 gig RAM. And I think it's running like an i5 or an i7 processor. I can't remember, but it's fast. I mean, and it's fine. It does the job for us fine. So I think that would be a good place to go. Lenovo, I have to say, I think Lenovo is a great computer company. And I never really bothered with Lenovo at all until I got into uh, using one when I was at the RNIB. I mm. never really had much. I was always a Dell person, always a Dell guy, always, you know, HP for a long time before that, Toshiba before that. Yes. I mean, I have danced around a little bit with, you know, I've had a number of uh, people at <laughs> the dance. Um, yes. But uh, <laughs> such a playboy. 
<laughs> Dance with them all. Good old Adele. Um, but uh, yeah, Lenovo's the one I think I'm settled on. It's such a great machine. Oh, it sounds like he would definitely know the, the, the sort of specs he's looking for anyway. He's a professional. Um, I, I, I agree. I, I really do like Lenovo. And it's really hard, though, to, to recommend something above anything else because there are other mm. factors that come into it. How does it fit in? I mean, you could argue, why are you not going down the, the tower? You know the desktop computer uh, aspect. Does it have to be a laptop? I'm, thinking... I'm wondering why he's moving away from Mac. That's the first question I had. <laughs> That's actually that would be really interesting to know when it comes mm. to audio production because usually it is the other way around. Um, but yeah, as I said, there are listeners out here who are in the same sort of business, so uh, I would be interested to see the feedback here. You say that right? Is it the case though that more people who use or who do audio production are actually on the Mac. I think it might be more video production for people on the Mac. I, I don't know if audio production and Mac go ha- as hand in hand as you might think. Yeah, maybe I'm still hanging on to the old sort of, uh, I was going to say myth, but it wasn't, that, that, that Mac is for more audio video creatives. Uh, maybe that isn't the case anymore. I mean, Windows has come along a lot. Um, but Way again, more capable than it used to be for this kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, definitely. But I, I still come down to the audio subsystem, though. It just does seem more flexible mm-hmm. on the Mac than it does in Windows. When I, I install the, you know, I, I've got a chain here of the Soundcraft <laughs> mixer and a Focusrite Scarlet 2 Solar, I don't know what it is, all mixed in, just trying to get this my setup correct. And it's it's been hard work trying to install Wasapi drivers and, and things like that. Um, Windows, I do seem to be battling against it. But then again, when it comes to this sort of thing, honestly, music production and studio setup, I am definitely not an expert. So um, I would be very interested to hear the reasons why. But um, I don't think, I think there are solutions and you can definitely make it work. And accessibility shouldn't be a massive issue in hopefully in a lot of the cases other than some touch interfaces on some hardware. Um, but other than that, I think you'll be fine. And when it comes to keyboards, Stephen Scott... Well, there's only one for me. This and, is uh, your expertise. <laughs> well, anybody who can always say it with me, right? Logitech, MX, MX keys. keys. Yeah, yeah, I love it. I, you know, and the great thing is you get the PC flavor. You get the all of I, well, I Actually, do you get a PC version of it? I think you get the I don't, multi- I don't understand that. Why, do you, why does it matter? Well, it, it doesn't, but I, I, it, well, yeah. I don't know, because I think, I think yeah. your keyboard is a bit of a different layout to mine, weirdly. Because I have the one, what is this? I think this is the MX Keys S. Oh, well, which you've the got most an S. One. Oh, well. But when, when we were testing out the Mac at the weekend, you were having issues because you were saying to me the second key in from the left was your Windows key, whereas I was finding it was my third key in. And I couldn't make sense of that. I couldn't understand why you were having a different Windows key to me. Hmm. Yeah, who knows? Who knows? But I, um, I mean, it's a full-size keyboard with a numpad and the um, the panel of keys above the cursor keys, home, end, page up, page down, etc. Um, so it's a real familiar um, layout, and I just I I love it. And as for the applications key, because that's again an interesting one you've you've brought up there. Um, if the key is not available to you, um, and on the PC, I think you've got much more options on this because there's a weird thing with the wiring of Mac keyboards. Um, Matthias, uh, the keyboard company, made reference to this in a blog once that, you know, when they build the keyboards, it's kind of re- required and preferred that the keys on the left of the keyboard match on the right side and mirror each other. So you can't customize on the right side of the keyboard. So, for example, control or option on the right side, you can't customize that separately from the left side control and option and command key. Really? 
which is interesting. Yeah, I don't know why that is. Some keyboard manufacturers, you, if you use any kind of tool that allows you to change the keys, it just will not recognize them as anything other than well, the if, control key, the command key, the option key. If we're talking about the modifier keys specifically, left and right of the space bar, if I do keyboard help on most of my screen readers, I'm trying to think if there is any that don't. They will say left or right before, mm-hmm. before the uh, key label. More so on the Mac and on other, uh, sorry, on the PC, I should say. More so on oh, the yeah, PC I tried and, on the Mac. Yeah, and yeah, more yeah. on the specific keyboards, like the Logitech MS Keys is actually does, does see them separately. Anyway, uh, the good thing you have on the PC side is you can use sharp keys. If sharp keys don't work for you, then you've got the Power Toys, Microsoft Power Toys, that will allow you to select an applications key under the keyboard management you can actually choose an applications key in there and say you know i want this particular key here uh to be able to be the the applications key or whatever else you want so arguably power toys is slightly more accessible than sharp keys when it comes to especially if you're picking a key that you can't find in the list so you need to press it and you get stuck in that window because you need to click the mouse on the done Mm -hmm. button to get out of it um so power toys is slightly more accessible but ironically the actual user interface i find cumbersome to uh, navigate but there are and also doesn't always work doesn't always i've I've had occasions where power toys especially the keyboard management just doesn't doesn't take. Come on, Microsoft. Come on now. Um, by default, the application key on the MX keys is in the top right of the numpad. The t- very top right is lock screen, which is kind of annoying, so I always change that <laughs> one. But the one just to the left of that is the application key. And that's by default, is it? That's by default, yeah. Mm, okay. Uh, and as for storage, well, this is the endless question, right? How do you How do you solve that problem? Because storage and NAS and all those things, network attacks, storage. Uh, it's, it's actually an area I'm getting into myself because I'm having the issue with doing TV work and doing the, the stuff we do here for the show that our archives are just growing and growing and growing. And, yes. growing. and so it's it's becoming quite hard to manage all of this content. And, you know, Dropbox is, you know, they're kind to an extent, but at some point when you feel that you're almost, you know, taking over an entire server farm by yourself, uh, <laughs> it feels like perhaps you've got to, you know, think about something else. So, you know, we're looking at options. One uh, that I get a lot from people is Synology. Is, is a really good accessible option. A lot of blind people I know talk about that uh, because there's lots of different companies that create network attached storage. That storage you can have on your network. It's available anywhere in the cloud. I'd, I would personally avoid your kind of Western digital kind of cloud <gasps> service. Well, I would because I've had interesting experiences. Speed is one and you know, you've got to make sure that there's backup in there as well. So you know, you'll often find if you buy one of these systems and it's a single drive in there, that means there's no redundancy for that data. So yeah, it's not unless it's being backed up to the cloud, which will be very slow on networks to be able to do that, and won't guarantee it'll happen overnight either. Uh, you know, you might end up with a situation where you, you lose access to your data if that drive dies. Whereas oh. if you've got a number of drives in there set to like a RAID option, which means basically one or two or even three drives could fail, but your data remains safe again, depending on how many drives are in the device, then that would be a way to do it. But that gets very expensive very quickly. What price uh, on data and backup routines, well, though, Stephen Scott? QNAP and Synapsis. Uh, synapsis? Is that the word? What did you just say? QNAP. QNAP. QNAP and uh, Synology. Synology. Sorry, Synapsis. No My synapses aren't working. QNAP <laughs> Synology are very good. QNAP 
I had uh, didn't have a great experience with when it comes to accessibility mm. and Synology. You can get work and lots of third-party support. And once you map it as a network drive to your Windows PC, you may need assistance to do that. It, it, it's pretty much set and forget. So there are options out there. Uh, listen, everyone get involved in this one because, uh, you know, this could be a really interesting discussion for Matthew and we're going to continue this discussion tomorrow because Callum got in touch with a similar query. We're going to hear his query tomorrow on the show and we'll continue the conversation then. Uh, that is it for today. Check out the gift guides and add your items. Can't wait to read them and we'll be back tomorrow. Thanks, Sean. Thank you. Bye-bye. Hi, I'm Jenny Bovard. Join me monthly for Low Vision Moments, where I speak with awesome guests about some of the amusing things that happen when you're blind or partially sighted. Watch on YouTube or download Low Vision Moments from your favorite podcast distributor.